Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning. If you have a, your Bible, and I hope you do, or your tablet or your phone, your Bible app, turn to the book of, you guessed it, Jonah. We're going to get to the next scene in the story eventually, I promise. Uh, But we are still going to finish up chapter 1 today, and next week we will look at chapter 2. While you're turning there, uh, let me remind you that tonight at 5 o'clock we will be uh, honoring Joey and Lisa. If you want to drop by between 5, 6, 5, and 7, 5, and 8, 5, and however long it takes for people to get here. Come early. Don't be like those people that wait till the end. Uh, So come early at 5 o'clock. Come by and share a story and a treat and a love on them as uh, they head out to their new uh, assignment. We're going to do that together tonight. I don't know about you, and uh, for our weekday parents, uh, I don't know if you have this challenge with your kids. I know I was uh, one of those kids, and my mom and dad had that challenge for me, that there were sometimes I did not want to say, I'm sorry, And I did not, as a little child, want to say I was wrong. And I don't know if you have been challenged, maybe as an adult, to say those words. I grew up watching this television show called Happy Days. And there was this guy on the show of Happy Days called The Fonz. Hey, you guys, some of you remember, some of you don't. You need to get Netflix or check it out on YouTube and find out on TV land, happy days. Matter of fact, just to help you remember the Fonz, I think we got a short clip to remind you about the Fonz. So watch, watch this, if you will, this morning. Ralph, I was in. <laughs> I was not exactly right. What do you mean not right? I mean not right. I don't get you. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was. Just Some of you are remembering now. Yeah, I was... Just couldn't say it. Just couldn't say it. What we find out in the story of Jonah is, uh, thankfully and finally, uh, Jonah was ready to admit uh, that he was wrong. And so I want to just kind of share very quickly with you this morning what... Uh, One of the things that we see in Jonah, and we see a lot, but one of the things to look at this morning is what does real repentance look like? If you were here last week, if not, just to kind of recap, Jonah the prophet has fled his assignment that God has given him. He tells God no, he goes in the opposite direction, he goes down to Tarshish or to Joppa, gets on a boat to head in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And once he does, we we reminded that the Lord sends this storm in his direction. And this storm comes about, and the men, the sailors, the sea mariners on the boat are wondering, why in the world has this storm come? What's going on? Is it you? Who, who caused the storm to come? Is it you? Is it you? None of them said, is it me? They wanted to 
play the blame game. Is it you? Is it you? And finally, we discover that uh, they discover that it is Jonah that has caused the storm to come. And we'll pick up at verse 12. Jonah, uh, after answering them, telling them he's a Hebrew and he fears the Lord, the men uh, question him about how in the world could you do this to us. And Jonah says to them in verse 12, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called out to the Lord, and they said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For thou, O Lord, hast done as thou hast pleased. They picked up Jonah, and they threw him into the sea. Exhibit number two, right here. Thrown him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging, and the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Maybe as a parent, uh, you've shared this story with your kids, because it's a popular biblical story that we share oftentimes with our kids. Noah and the flood, uh, Abraham, Adam and Eve, creation, Jonah, and uh, the fish, the great fish. And we see Jonah here when he's confronted by these sea mariners. Uh, they have some options to do. He tells them, throw me into the sea. But that's not the initial reaction that these guys have. The Bible tells us that what their re initial reaction is. They start to row harder and harder to get to land, but they can't get there. So eventually they do pick Jonah up and they throw him into the sea. We talked about over the last couple of weeks, one of the great things uh, and disappointments about disobeying God is not so much getting caught, as Jonah did, but it's the consequence of disobeying God. And so he was caught by the sea mariners, but that was not the bad part. The bad part was, guess what? You're going to learn how to swim. Now, I learned how to swim exactly the way they did Jonah. I will never forget it. I was about eight years old. I tried to flounder around and like swimming, and I just gave up. Kind of like one of the kids in the, uh, the song. After about two minutes of singing, they're like, I'm done, and they want to walk off. Hey, that was me. That was me. So if that's your child, no, no guilt, no worry. That was me. I was like that. And so I remember when I went to that swimming lesson, and my teacher kind of got frustrated because I would not pay attention, they finally picked me up and threw me into the deep end. And as I was going into the air, they said... Swim or die. Now, I don't recommend that. That's not a great way to learn. But just trust me, when my toes touched the water on the deep end, I knew in my spirit, Lord, I am going to learn how to swim right now. And I did. And I learned how to swim. Dog paddle. I don't know if that qualifies as swimming or not, but I did. I started to learn how to dog paddle. Jonah, when he's thrown into the water, a remarkable thing happens. Because the sea that is waving and the storm that is happening, all of a sudden when he's thrown into the deep end of the pool, so to speak, the storm stops and ceases. Our dear friend Neelan Brown reminded us that in the book of Matthew, there's a time where the disciples were on the boat and there was somebody sleeping. His name was Jesus. And Jesus woke up and he said, peace be still. And the storm quickly calmed down. So Jonah is willing at this point in the story, to be thrown into the sea to sacrifice his life 
for his sailors. Now, I don't know about you, but you know by now when I read the scripture, I start to ask a lot of questions. Why in the world would Jonah do this? Why would he volunteer himself to be thrown off of the ship into the sea? number of reasons come to mind. Perhaps it was his compassion for the sailors. Perhaps it was his desire at this point. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Now that he's been caught... Maybe this switch is changing his head. Okay, I've got to be, I've got to be obedient to God regardless of the, of the cost now. And if it means me being thrown into the sea, that will show that I'm truly being dependent upon God. After all, there's no safer place, by the way, dear Christian friend, there's no safer place than casting yourself fully into the Lord and onto the Lord. Even if it's in the deep end or you think it's in the deep end of the swimming pool, that's the best place for you to be if that's where God's called you to be. Oftentimes what we do is we wade into the shallow end and say, Lord, if I can trust you, then I will move to the deep end of the pool. And you look through scripture, a lot of times that's not the way God does it. God throws you into the deep end of the pool and says, trust me. Trust me. Perhaps Jonah was uh, feeling that anything was better than staying on this boat and maybe getting ridiculed. We don't read that at this point in the story, but maybe he was fearful that if he stayed on the boat more trouble would happen. So just throw, just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. It's interesting that Jonah at least becomes humble for his sin. And in all of this story, one of the great things that I wanted to share with you today as we talk about what repentance looks like in Jonah's life and what it looks like in the life of us as believers, Jonah is a great picture of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus threw himself into the fury of God's storm to rescue us from God. Now there's a lot of differences obviously between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah was a disobedient and guilty. Jesus was completely obedient and innocent. But Jonah has a great picture here of what true repentance looks like. I don't know if uh, you've seen this on social media or the news. It's been all over my social media the last two or three days. Just so you know, there is revival breaking out in America. There are a lot of storms happening, but there is revival breaking out in America and state of Kentucky. How many of you have seen this at Asbury College? A lot of you have seen this, a worship service that started with a chapel on college campus. I attended some of those chapels on the college campus. Joey and I did at Gardner-Webb, and most of the time, after about 10 minutes of the chapel, you'd be going... Because they were boring. And you were in there just to get credit because you had to go to a certain number of those to be able to get credit to be able to pass and get to the next uh, semester. You had to take a certain number of those classes at Asbury College. I don't know if you've seen it. Three or four days ago, they went into a chapel service and the chapel service never ended. And it's still going 24-7. It's still going. Students are coming in praising God. They've canceled class. Revival's breaking out. People are coming down to the front confessing their sin. There's reconciliation of relationships. Jesus is still working. His Holy Spirit is still working. Revival is happening. But revival is conditional. Revival is conditional according to the Bible, according to the book of Chronicles. It says, Jesus says, God says through the prophet, If my people who are called by my name will call on me, will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, then I will hear their cry, I will heal their land. 
I don't know about you, I've been praying for revival, and I can pray for revival, and you can pray for revival, our church can pray for revival. Revival's not going to come until we do the things that God's called us to do to bring revival. It's not going to happen. That's why our world just continues to spiral seemingly out of control, but God is still in control. Isn't it amazing? All through history, by the way, if you know your Bible history and you know revival history... All through history, most revivals, most awakenings on the planet, no no offense to us as old people, but they've started with young people. Why is it so important that we have a weekday ministry? Why is it important that we have a children's ministry? Why is it important that we have a youth ministry, college ministry? It's not that we as older folks are unimportant. We should have the spiritual maturity and depth, especially those of us who have known Jesus 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, to realize that our hearts get harder the older we get. I know this. I've been married 26 years. Don't ask. Don't ask Lynette. She can tell you. I'm stubborn. I sat with my mom and dad this week. They've been married uh, almost 56 years. They were talking back and forth. I could tell you a lot. Got, got into a little tiff about where they were going to go out to dinner. It's like, really? You get to choose where you go to eat, and you're getting in an argument about that. Why? Because the older we get, the more stubborn we are, the more set in our ways. And the great awakenings that have happened through history, and the one that seems to be happening now in Kentucky, I pray to God it sweeps every college campus in this country, is coming through young people. We need to pray for our young people, our children, our students. We need to pray for ourselves. And Jonah here is a great sign and shows us what true repentance is about. He basically says to these guys, throw me overboard. It's my fault. I deserve it. There's no way this sea is going to be calmed unless you throw me overboard. Well, there's a few steps to repentance that we see in this story, and I want to point them out very quickly. Here's the first one. Here's what real repentance looks like. Real repentance involves admitting, admitting that we're wrong. It involves admitting that we are wrong. It involves realizing that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves through our own strength. It involves admission, admitting that we can't do it our own way. It's interesting that what happens with these sea mariners, these sailors, as soon as Jonah says, throw me overboard, what do they do? Not going to do it. They start trying harder and harder and harder to get their boat back toward land. Now, I don't know why they did that. Some Bible scholars say it's because they knew at that point there's a prophet of God on this boat and the storm is raging and we're about to be killed and, and he's wanting us to throw him overboard. If you want to see the wrath of God, we're going to throw this prophet overboard. We would see the wrath of God. Lightning would come down and probably cut us all in half. We're not going to do that. So their initial response is, we're not going to do that, Jonah. We're going to try harder and harder with our own effort to make it to where we need to go. Dear friend, can I just share something with you today? This is free. There is nothing, some of you need to hear this, there is nothing, N-O, no thing that you can do to earn the free grace of God. There's nothing you can do. You can't jump high enough, run fast enough, 
swim long enough, tread water long enough, earn enough accomplishments, get enough credits, earn enough, uh, memorize enough Bible verses, show up enough Sundays. None of that means anything until you admit you have to go God's way. And these sea mariners did not want to admit that. They're like, we're going to get there on our own. We're not going to do Jonah's idea. We're going to try to get there on our own. You and I cannot get there on our own. If we could get there on our own, Jesus Christ did not need to come to sacrifice himself. I bring nothing to the table, as great as I sometimes think I am. My, my goodness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags when it comes to the purity and the holiness. We just sung about holy, holy, holy. It's filthy when, it, when you compare it to the holiness of God. You say, well, pastor, then how in the world, how, how, do, I, how do I make it where God wants me to go? How do, I, how do I get to go where God is? How do I get to someday be in heaven? I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to tell you. It's a great question. Because Jonah kind of shares it with us through this story. And what do the sea mariners do? They try desperately to make it against this storm. But then they do something very interesting in verse 14. They call on the Lord. Now earlier, if you remember the story, earlier when when the storm first broke, they were calling on their gods. They were calling on any and every god they could call on. And they were throwing stuff overboard. But now the story has changed and they've realized, oh my goodness, Jonah's telling us there's only one God. Let's cry out to the one true God. And they realize that their fleshly efforts are going to fail. Which brings us to the second thing we have to do. We have to confess our need for Jesus. They confess our need for God. Here's what they say, verse 14. They call on the Lord and they say, Earnestly we pray thee, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Please don't put innocent blood on us, for thou, O Lord, hast done as thou hast pleased. We have to confess our need for God, our need for Jesus Christ, we cannot do it ourselves. We have to admit our need for Jesus and confess our need for Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. It's nothing fancy. There's no secret formula, so to speak. It's simply confessing our need for Jesus. The third thing that's involved is humility. Can you imagine I mean, keep in mind, who are we talking about in this story? We're talking about professional seamen. Guys who have done this in the worst of situations. Storms that have been out on the sea many, many times. And all of a sudden, they have been given an instruction by Jonah. Here's what you need to do. You need to throw me over the boat. The storm will cease. And they had to listen to somebody who's not an expert Fishermen are an expert seaman. You know what that requires? Humility. You see, because what happens is in our culture in which we live, our culture has given us some bad advice. I would say actually unbiblical counsel. Our culture has told us that there are certain things that it takes to have eternal life. There are certain things that it takes to get to be with God at the end of our physical life. There are certain things we have to do. Oh, just be good enough. I remember having a conversation with somebody one day and we were talking about this very issue. And I said, do you think you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Well, I think so. You don't have to think so this morning. You can know so by what the Bible teaches us. You can know 
when you leave this place, when you leave this planet and you go to spend eternity somewhere and you will go one of two places, according to the scripture, you'll go one of two places, to heaven or hell, you can know that you will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Because his word shows us how to do that. We have to admit we can't do it our own way. We have to confess our need for Jesus. We have to show humility. The world will also tell us, well, just be good enough. Just be good. How, how good is that? Is there a measuring stick how good you are? I've talked to other people and they say, well, I'm just as good as so-and-so. Oftentimes they'll say, I'm just as good as so-and-so. And the so-and-so that they say is somebody down at the church. People out there, maybe people in here, we compare ourselves to each other. As Christians, we're great at comparing ourselves sometimes with each other. Church family, let me lovingly say this to you. Some of you are huge role models. Parents of weekday children. Let me just say, there are some great role models in our teachers. It's, great, it's wonderful to have a role model because we're, we're definitely short of role models in today's world. But those people are human. And they will fail and they will make mistakes. And the person I ultimately have to compare myself to is not another person. I have to compare myself to Jesus Christ. He is the standard. He determines what's good and holy and right and just. Not me or not even my best biblical role model that I can see. Or godly role model. So we have to have humility. And these guys do. The last thing that we have to have is we have to turn ourselves to God, which is what they do when they cry out to the Lord. And say, how do you know for sure that they turn themselves to God? Well, I know it because the Word tells us after they did what Jonah said, and they picked up Jonah, verse 15, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. That was proof. That was evidence. That was documentation from, from what Jonah had told them that God was real because Jonah said, if you'll do this, God will immediately calm the storm. And they did, and God did. And as a result of that, here was their reaction. Verse 16, the men feared the Lord greatly. And if you look at the original language in this story, the word that they used there for feared is the same word a few verses earlier that they used when they said they feared the storm. So their fear of the storm, their awe of the storm, their reverence of this huge storm has now changed to they fear and awe and they give reverence to the Lord. And they offer the Lord a sacrifice and they make vows to the, to the Lord. They commit themselves to the Lord, turning to God. It's interesting that Jonah here, as he's thrown over this boat, is giving his life as a ransom for many. And the storm that Jonah gave himself up in, of course, was of his own uh, raising. We know that the Lord sent this storm because of his disobedience. But the storm that Christ Jesus gave himself up for for you and me was a storm of our own creation because we are sinners and the great news is this morning if you're here and you don't know Jesus the great news is that while we were yet sinners while you and I were still sinning while we were still living in disobedience to God while we were yet sinners Christ Jesus died for us see another another misinformation that's sweeping the country is, well, I'll come to Jesus when I get my life together. I'll come to Jesus. Good luck. 
not going to happen. If you and I could get our lives together, we don't, we don't need the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross. I can't get my life together. And as Jonah delivered, was delivered into this raging sea, our Lord Jesus Christ was delivered and sacrificed his life on the cross so that you and I might know him. So you might say this morning, Pastor Jack, you're talking about repentance. I don't know if I've ever, if I've ever truly repented. It's hard for me to say that I was... It's hard for me to say I'm... It's the greatest three words that you can say sometimes is I'm sorry. Most powerful three words you can say sometimes is I was wrong. Lord, I need you. Maybe you find yourself in here this morning. Another lie from the enemy sometimes is when you sit in a service like this. And if you're hearing this voice right now, I just want to give you a heads up. It's not the voice of God that you're hearing. You hear this voice, what are people going to think? Man, I've been in church all my life. Everybody thinks I know Jesus. What are people going to think if I get up and tell everybody I'm really giving my life to the Lord? You know what we're going to think? A true child of God's going to think? Praise God. Hallelujah. Because, see, I know that. I went through all that stuff. You've heard my testimony before. If you haven't, real quick, nine years old, I walked the aisle. I had 1,500 people come by and squeeze my cheeks and say, Good boy, Jackie. Good boy, Jackie. I got dunked in the baptistry. I was on the membership roll. I did all that. But it wasn't until several years later, sitting in a seat at Anderson College, now Anderson University, hearing a speaker where I really realized, you know what? I went through all the external things to give my life to Jesus. But the reality is, I never admitted that I was wrong. I never said, Lord, I have, I have sinned against you. I'm wrong. It's my mistake. This is why my life is in chaos right now. This is why if I died right now, I'd go to hell, Lord. It's my fault. Forgive me. I confess to you. I call out to you. I humble myself. I'm committing myself to you. If you need to do that this morning, I can't think of a better Sunday to do it than today. To say, Lord, I truly repent and I turn to you. I grew up like some of you, maybe many of you, where I would attend revival services. And the preacher would stand up and he'd get all hot and flaring and snot would be running everywhere. He would hit the, the podium. Repent! Repent! And the louder he said it and the harder he hit the podium... The more spiritual, maybe he thought he was, I don't know. I just thought, you're getting ready to break your hand or you're getting ready to break the pulpit. Because you're, you're hitting that thing. And I didn't have a clear understanding, and maybe you, maybe you don't this morning, maybe you grew up like me, of what repentance looks like. I just thought it just meant saying I'm sorry. That's actually the first step is saying I'm sorry. But the biblical definition of repent means to turn around. It means I'm going this direction like Jonah was, in the opposite direction, away from what God told him to do. And Jonah gets thrown over the boat, and these guys who are, learn, who are trying to get to shore on their own all of a sudden realize, no, we have to turn around, we have to listen to Jonah, we have to turn to God. If you haven't done that this morning, I don't care if your name's on every church row in America. 
If you haven't done that, if you've never repented, if you've never turned from your sin to face Jesus, then, you, then you're not saved. Sister, brother, I, I just want to be honest with you. I love you enough to tell you that this morning. You say, well, Pastor, I, 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 I still sin and I'm a believer. How do I know the difference? Great question. I, I do too. We haven't reached perfection yet. That's, that's the beautiful part of heaven is that one day we will be perfect as He is. We shall see Him, the Bible says, and we will be like Him just as He is. Until that time, it's a process. It's a daily process to keep repenting and keep turning back to God. But there has to be an initial point in the a line in the sand that you draw where you say, I'm turning my back on what I know is wrong. And I'm placing my trust in Jesus. Is that where you are today? If you need to do that today, my friend Heath and I are going to be down here at the front in just a minute. We'd love to pray with you. You can pray right there at your seat. Grab one of us at the end of the service and just say, I just want you to know, I gave my heart to the Lord. I repented today for the first time. I gave my heart to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just pray for me this morning? If you're a believer, I would ask that you pray for those around you today. Maybe you'd say this morning, wow, I never, I never even thought about it from the standpoint of what we see in Jonah today. Pastor Jack, I've never done that. I, I've never... It's hard to say I'm sorry. It's hard to say I'm wrong. It's hard to say I don't know best. I know. I know. You're right. It is hard. And it will get harder the older that you and I get. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never admitted that you're not going to get to heaven your own way, you've never admitted that there is only one way to God, through Jesus Christ His Son. And you want to confess that this morning. You want to ask Christ into your life to be your master, your ruler. If that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. While no one's looking around, you're just, your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just between you and the Lord and me. I just want to ask you, if that's you this morning, you say, I need to do that today. Can I, can I pray for you? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I need to truly repent today. I want to pray for you today. Anybody? Say, that's me. I need to turn to God today. I need to humble myself before the Lord today. Anybody this morning? I need to turn to God. For the vast majority of us in this room, we, we're saying that we know the Lord Jesus. I'm so thankful that you do. Church, I, I am praying that revival will come. I'm praying that revival will come to our church, to our community to our homes, to our workplace. Wow, if, we've, if we don't need revival today, I can't think of another time in history where we need it more than right now. We look at what's going on in the world and we want changes to happen and yet change, the Bible tells us, starts with the people of God. So this morning, maybe you know Christ, you know Jesus. Or maybe the Holy Spirit of God's kind of put His finger on some area, something in your life where the Lord's saying, this is not exactly right. Will you do business with me this morning? Maybe He's pointed something out this morning. I don't, I don't know what it is. If He has this morning, my friend Heath and I will be here to receive you, to pray for you, to encourage you, to love on you.
Don't be like Jonah. Be obedient. Don't run from God. He loves you. He doesn't have to prove it, but he did. He died on the cross for you to prove that he loves you. There's no question. He loves you. Father, I pray you would speak to our hearts today. Thank you for today. Thank you for every man and woman, boy and girl in this place. Thank you for the parents of these children. What an incredible gift you've given us. You've entrusted to us. Thank you for our senior adults in this place that model how to live for Jesus in a world where we so desperately need to see that model. Thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and have your way during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to stand together, if you will, and Joey's going to lead us in a closing song. If you need to respond, we'll be here to greet you this morning. Would you stand with us today? Amen. You can have a seat for just a minute this morning. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements for you before we uh, send you out on your way today. A uh, lot of things going on in the life of our church, so I hope you will take note of those. Uh, don't forget again tonight, our fellowship time together tonight, uh, right, after, uh, right at 5 o'clock. So mark that on your calendar and uh, be here for that if you can. Hey, a couple other quick things, really, really quick. Uh, VBS, we have a big luncheon. If you are interested in being a volunteer for VBS, can you believe I'm saying VBS? Is it almost summertime already? Merry Christmas! Oh, what happened? What happened? 
Yeah, VBS will be uh, February the 19th, will be that lunch and next Sunday. So if you'd like to help with that, March, we will kick off four weeks of our Disciple Life Studies. If you're interested in those, I think there's a sheet with information at the back. That'll be at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights in, uh, in March. And uh, some of you have already grabbed a pew from the chapel as we continue to get upgraded. And we're waiting on uh, cleaning and stretching the carpet and doing a few things till those are removed. So if you're planning on getting one, if you could uh, get one of those by the end of this month. If you need help, let us know. Uh, the church office, get in touch with us. And we will help you, uh, help you get that uh, loaded up, all right? And one last quick thing. February the 26th, which is also a Sunday that evening at 5 o'clock... We have a special guest here. Uh, his name is, will be Stephen Reagan. He is, used to work with the South Carolina Baptist Convention uh, about how to help individuals when it comes to estate planning, uh, legacy giving, thinking about giving after you're not here anymore and not letting the state have it or letting your spoiled kids have it. If you have spoiled kids, just kidding. Uh, so if you want to come find out about that, that'll be that Sunday night, February 26th at 5 o'clock. And I think we have a video about... Uh, children's camp, kids' camp. So check this out real quick. What we see on the surface seems important. Appearances, grades, accomplishments. But God's Word shows us that there is something that matters even more. Something beyond the surface. Central Kid Camps 2023 will go beyond and see what it means to be pure in heart. Let's go beyond the surface. Fantastic, fantastic. I picked up something uh, this week. I just want to read a couple things. Uh, it took me about 32 minutes to find this. Actually, a little bit longer than 32 minutes. But I was digging through, and I found... Uh, the resume of one Joseph Estes, and uh, it was printed, some of you don't even know what, I'm, what this is I'm getting ready to say, it was printed on a dot matrix printer, I believe, it had the sides you had to tear off, so the font I can barely read because it's dots, for those of you that remember when our printer system was pretty cheap. I did not know that in 1981... Maybe you knew this about our worship pastor. He was the mo most outstanding bandsman in 1981. Did anybody, did anybody know this? Okay, no, no, no. He was also a drum major. Did not know this either. In 1981, assistant drum major in 1980. But it was interesting. I'm going to give this copy to him. And here's, here's what he said his reason was for going into ministry and uh, serving, I'm hopeful to make a ton of money. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding. We know better. We know better. No, we know better. It says, I know that God has called me into full-time Christian service, and I feel he is leading me into the areas of music, youth, and children. However, I'm always open to God and letting him lead me in whatever direction he wants me in. I'm presently attending Gardner-Webb College, where I will obtain my B.A. degree to better prepare myself for the ministry. Incredible. If you want to see this, I'll share it. And uh, by the way, 
God is still calling people out into his service. And uh, this morning, uh, one of our own, uh, Claire Carruth, feels like God is calling her to be a missionary. So, sweetheart, we love you, and we will be praying for you. God will guide you every step of the way, uh, and he will, and he will. And church family, I want to encourage you to surround not only Claire, but our children and young people. Uh, They need you. Some of you think your time's over because you're 70 plus. Yeah, it ain't. It ain't over. We need you. So praise the Lord for that. I am grateful to have almost four years to serve uh, with, I like to say, I told our worship team this morning, our worship pastor, Joey Estes. You may or may not know this church family. I know because I know a lot of other pastors and I'm old. Uh, there are a lot of song leaders. There are a lot of music directors. There are few worship pastors. And that's what this church has had for 32 years. So there's some folks that would like to thank him uh, through video that we want to share with you this morning before we let them slip out. So, 32 years in one day as minister of music and on staff there at Crossroads Baptist Church. And I know this is an important day for you. Not only there, but you have a few more years, probably close to 37, 38 years in church music ministry and two other churches included. God bless you, Joey. I know this is going to be a a hard day for you, uh, but it's going to be an exciting future for you. And I was wondering, when I found out after these number of years in ministry, what's God got next for Joey? Well, God said, Joey, I'm going to put you in a home. Uh, Well, congratulations, Joey. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Psalms 37, 4 said, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And I know you'll have a heartbeat for this, Joey. And I pray for you and Lisa as y'all endeavor on this new adventure in your life that God direct you and guide you in everything you do, especially as you travel back and forth on 26 every day. Uh, God uh, will uh, guide you and give you the strength that you need. And you have a great time down there ministering to those people in Lawrence. God bless you in your future, Joey. We love you. Joey Estes, I want to tell you how special you and your whole family are to me. We've watched you come here and grow up. And we have watched Tyler grow up as a little boy. And you know, my name is Yeehaw. But I want to tell you, it has been a wonderful experience. I've enjoyed every second of it. And we're really going to miss you, but we will be seeing you. I love you. I love Lisa. I love Tyler. Joey Estes, serving with you for 32 years has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. I am so thankful that God brought you to us. Um, You have been a faithful servant um, to following God's path. I'm so thankful we've also had 32 years just to do life together. From weddings to funerals, many different celebrations. And it's 32 years I will forever treasure in my heart. We love you and Lisa so much. Thank you for all you have done for Crossroads Baptist Church. Uh, Joey Estes, my goodness, it's just difficult to believe that this chapter of your ministry is 
drawing to a close, but at the same time, we're very excited about your new call to Martha Franks. Um, so many fond memories of serving together these last 32 years, whether it's in worship or choral festival or wedding, funerals, and even singing to a pitch pipe. It's been an honor for all of us to serve alongside of you. You and Lisa are not only our friends, but our family. And I'm so happy that Clark and Jake both have been loved by you and your family. And as the song says, friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. So the trio has a little song that we want to sing to express our thanks to you. We love you, Joey, and happy trails. But don't forget my funeral. Take care. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. No, 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 that's not right. You're leaving on a jet. No, no, that, that that's not right either. Joey, 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 what can I say? I think I could say a lot of things. I think if, if Billy Graham was here, he would say, I just can't believe that you're going. Or maybe Alistair Walker would say something like, my brother, I'm just going to have prayer for you. Or maybe David Ring would say, if you still love me, Joey, wave at me. I don't know what they would say, but I'll tell you what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that I'm very excited about your new opportunity. I can hardly believe it, but I'm excited. I'm excited because I know that when it's my time to retire and I move to Martha Franks, they'll have someone to take care of me and to give me spiritual counsel, which, as you know, I need often. I want you to know that you're one of my best friends. And also, I want you to know that I believe you exhibit Christ as much as anyone I've ever known. I love you, buddy. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. God bless you. What an incredible thing to finish strong. And congratulations, man, on all that God has used you to do. And he's not done with you. He's going to continue using you to do things because... I'm pretty sure you can't sit still that long. Uh, so <laughs> I know you're going to keep uh, serving the Lord no matter where you are. 
but thank you for how you've served the Lord so faithfully at Crossroads and how you have uh, ministered to hearts and lives, including mine and my family. I'm going to miss seeing you at conferences, and the Lord bless you, man. 32 years ago, was it really you and your beautiful family came to CRBC? I had the privilege and the honor of serving with you for 16 of those years, buddy. 32 years, wow. So many memories, so many wonderful things God did through you in those years. You and Lisa, you have been a blessing every single one of those years, everyone, to every single one of us. We thank you. My family thanks you. Joey, there's not words to express my gratitude and um, my thankfulness for your ministry. But Joey, I want to leave you with this here today. From the heart. You are a man after God's own heart. I truly believe that. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. And um, you're a man after God's own heart, for sure. You have a Jesus heart. Yeah. You have a loving and kind heart. Yeah. You have a joyful heart. My goodness gracious. You have a willing heart. You have a servant's heart. My goodness gracious. So, from my heart, from our hearts, to you, I want to thank you. From the bottom of my heart, may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine on you and grant you his peace. We love you. I've been in some different um, opportunities at different churches. You know that. And some of the churches I've been at have not been great examples. Um, actually, I've learned what not to do at church as a pastor more than what to do as a pastor. And so when First Baptist Mayo called me, I was scared. I was nervous because I'd always seen of what not to do, but not what to do. And I, I knew I was called. I was sure of that. But I was nervous. And God revealed to me that I did have a pastor. I had a pastor in my life who showed me everything that I needed to know. And I didn't need a pastor of another church to show me. I had that pastor in my own home. I was privileged enough to learn from one of the best. And his name is Joey Estes, my dad. You were a dad to me, but you were also a minister to me. You showed me what it looks like to be a pastor. You showed me what it looked like when you were threatened. Your life was threatened. Somebody was going to whip you in the parking lot. You showed me what it looked like to trust in the Lord's protection. You showed me what it looked like when people didn't like you. When there was uh, people in the church that didn't care for you, you showed me that um, it doesn't matter if they don't like you as long as you seek the approval of the Lord. You showed me what it looks like to do things behind the scenes and not get recognized for them. And sometimes, probably 90% of the time, what you do behind closed doors, what you do behind the scenes matters more than what you do in front of people. You also showed me what true worship looks like. It doesn't matter what song you're singing. It doesn't matter what instrument is playing. The only thing that matters is your heart. And then finally, um, among other things, you showed me um, that being a preacher, um, I, I can preach the best sermons. I can preach 
from the best text and I can preach out of great commentaries and I can do a fabulous job of delivery. But if I do not sit in the homes of the people that I'm preaching to, then my words, um, they don't mean a whole lot. I sat in homes with you where you cried with families, you prayed with families, you went to hospital visits and prayed with families, you held people's hands as their loved ones passed from this world to the next. That meant more to me in the position that I'm in right now than anything else that I've ever been a part of. And so, Dad, I want to tell you that I love you. I want to thank you for being a dad. But probably today, I celebrate you because I'm the pastor I am today at First Baptist Mayo because I learned from the best. I love you. I'm praying for you. And obviously, um, I'm going to probably see you here in a couple of hours. But um, I'm, um, I'm proud of you. And um, I'm praying for you. Love you. If you can remain standing just for a moment, uh, I'd like for us to commission them. Say, what is that about? They've been doing ministry it's older than, longer than I am old. But when somebody goes to a new ministry assignment, it should be, the model should be that the church and the people of God pray over them and send them out to their next assignment. So that's what we're going to do in just a moment. Uh, Susan Snow, where are you? Susan, Joey, and Lisa, come on up and take a seat up here if you will. And Susan wants to say something real quick from the personnel team. I'm not going to cry because this is a day of celebration. We celebrate Joey and Lisa and what they have meant to our church. And uh, we wanted to give from the church a gift to you and Lisa. We thank you very much for your service. And we look forward to seeing y'all come and visit. Absolutely. All right. Showcase appearance in the I've asked Heath to uh, lead our prayer. But if you're physically able and you want to come up here and surround them, uh, we're going to send them out to their next assignment this morning and pray over them. Because that's the best thing that we can do is to pray, pray for them and with them today. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for uh, this awesome example of what Christ's love looks like. Lord, we thank you for Joey and Lisa. Lord, we thank you for the years of ministry, the years of sacrifice. The years of setting the example for others to follow as they followed Jesus. And Lord, uh, thank you for the friendships. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the laughs, the cries, the crazy things that ministry brings. But God, we thank you for Joey and for Lisa. And God, um, we commission him right now. Lord, as um, he begins this new chapter of ministry at Martha Frank's. Father, I know it has not gone without much prayer and many, many tears. But Father, as he has always shown us, 
where God guides, God provides. And Lord, that wherever you lead, he will follow. And so, Father, we graciously, humbly send them as your folks to continue to serve you and to serve the people. And Martha Franks, God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your faithfulness and his faithfulness. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.